Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Believe in a power greater than what you are going through when you don't know what to do. That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing. From the City of Angels in Los Angeles and from the Big Apple, typically in New York City, but my, my co-host, Adrian Gruberg, <laughs> could not make it today. So uh, New York is not represented today. I'm Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver at caregiverdave.com. And also coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on numerous radio and podcast networks on 26 global audio and video platforms, including iHeartRadio and iTunes and YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Vimeo, Stitcher Radio, Blog Talk Radio, CastBox, MixCloud, and way too many more to mention. So, in fact, we are proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM and number two caregiver podcast on Feedspot out of the top 60 and number two on CaringVillage.com. And we have an especially exciting show planned for you today. Michelle Willett, co-founder of Balance Your Path, where Michelle spends her days with her partner and sister, Vicky, creating thought transformation training for all. Childhood trauma, growing up homeless on the streets of Los Angeles, gave way to a lifelong leaning, lifelong learning journey for both of them. Life experience paired with certifications in mindfulness, training, and wellness coaching is the backbone of their unconventional techniques that have helped thousands heal their thinking and create the lives that they deserve most. That sounds like a great occupation. It, uh, uh, it is a good time. And we're going to be talking about thought healing and the foundation being the foundation of change. But before we get started, I just want to take this moment and thank my last week's guest, William Peters, founder of the Shared Crossings Network, uh, I'm sorry, the Shared Crossings Project, whose mission is to positively transform relationships to death and dying through education and raising awareness about shared crossings, the near-death experiences and shared death experiences, and their healing, healing benefits. Oh, I can't talk today. And their healing benefits. And just a reminder, you can watch or listen to that interview and all our interviews on our membership website, caregiverdave.com, or any of the other 26 global networks. <laughs> Excuse me. I can't remember the last time that's happened. <laughs> on our 26 global networks that I mentioned earlier, like iHeartRadio, iTunes, etc. Okay, enough of that. Michelle, welcome to the Caregiver Dave Show. We're so excited to have you on. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Cool. We're both excited. And I always like to ask my guests, just who is Michelle Willett and why was she placed on this earth? I am a life enthusiast. Uh, I was placed on this earth to give to others for whatever reason that is. Um, I spend my days in service in any way that I can to help other human beings be the best version of themselves because I believe we can all be that. Wow, those are high, lofty goals. <laughs> are you are you reaching them? <laughs> I I reach them every day because I don't give up. I don't give up. I, I never, keep never that focus. Up. Never give up. It's like Winston Churchill. He never gave up. <laughs> and like the Ukrainian people, they're not giving up. They're not giving up. <laughs> and so that's a good trait to have. So let's talk about you. Caring for a father who did not care for you as a child. Ouch. Um, how does that work? 
I'll tell you what, that was some challenging times. So uh, kind of the backstory again, I was raised for the, about a decade as a very young child, homeless on the streets of Los Angeles, primarily because my father was an entrepreneur and a poor one at that. And bless his heart, he did the best that he could to take care of us, but we didn't have the best upbringing. It was not um, the supportive atmosphere that you want your children to grow up in. And so later on in life, we, we fast forward 50 plus years and I have this father in his late eighties suffering from dementia who requires a lot of level of care that we didn't receive as children and having to deal with that switch in the mindset to become what he needed us to be, even though we spent a lifetime kind of searching was very challenging. It took a lot of time to really change that thought process so that we could, and I say we, because I have other siblings, but so that we could be there for him and provide him the care that he needed. Well, thank God you have people to share that with. Uh, How old were you when you were homeless? Uh, let's see, that started about the age of five and ended somewhere right around the 15, 16 mark. So this is mom, dad, five-year-old, and some other siblings all living on the streets? Um, on and off on the streets, yes. Uh, my f- we've lived in the backs of my father's businesses and in vehicles and hotels. And in occasion, we had a rental of some sort, so it wasn't completely off the streets, but... Um, Luckily, we were all together. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you said he's an entrepreneur, but not a very successful one, apparently. He is a creative, uh, much like me. So the things that he was creating, he was a woodworker and a a contractor his entire life and built custom cabinets for the majority of his career and the most beautiful work I've ever seen in my lifetime. But he needed to say that he would be doing very well sometimes and he'd be broke some other times. Exactly. Oh, the financial the life, piece. Life of an entrepreneur. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. Did your mother work? Uh, my mother did work uh, when I was younger. Uh, she had a back injury uh, oh. about the time I was uh, 15, 16, something right in there. And and that ended that. But uh, she was my father's partner in crime. So <laughs> she was always working with him. And um, are they alive today? They are not. I have lost them both. I lost dad uh, just here a few years ago. I lost mom many, many years ago. I was young when she died. How young? I was 26 when she passed away. Uh, so you so. had no caregiving responsibilities with that? Well, I, I did. Mom, mom had a back injury. And so, I mean, her, she lived in a bed and traction in our living room. And how did that happen? Uh, she was hurt at work. She was hurt at work. She slipped on a, on a waxed cement floor. Oh, I hope she got her workers comp compensation. Uh, it showed up about seven days after she passed away. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. It's okay. But she struggled like that for about 10 years. And so there was a lot oh of in-home care going on with mom, dad's still working. And so it fell on us kids to make sure mom had all things that she needed. So so who ended up getting her, her benefits? Yeah, what heirs? My father. My father. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, all of this family dysfunction, the effects on uh, our ability to give to others. Um, did you feel the same way about your mom that you did uh, about your dad? Because you said they were partners in crime, so to speak. My, my mom 
again, bless her soul. She did her very best. Both of them did. They came to the table knowing what they knew. Right. And we all just do the best we can in those situations. Mom was um, far more emotionally connected, lots of hugs and kisses and affirmations and making us feel like we could accomplish anything. And I I guess they both kind of did that, but uh, so it was easier taking care of mom because mom made it funny and, and sweet. And um, she was less abrasive. We know that folks, when they're dealing with um, issues where they need to be caregiven, we often have to deal with abrasive um, personality traits that come out in that. And uh, not so much with mom. So you look like you're doing pretty okay. The siblings doing okay too? Two of the four of us Mm. survived the childhood trauma. My sister, Vicki, who is my partner in at balance your path. She, we are the two middle. And for whatever reason, we were able to see early on in life that we were destined for something a little bit greater than what we had been brought into our oldest and youngest sibling did not fend as well and have yet figured out that they have the abilities to be better than they are, but. So sorry. But then, uh, you know, everybody's dealing with something, aren't they? They are. Absolutely. uh, Family dysfunction is very, very common. And so what is your secret? Why did you two, you and your sister survive and others didn't? What did you do that they didn't do and vice versa? You know, you know, when you come from a a family uh, of more than one sibling, for whatever reason, we pluck what we take from our parents And that helps us to create who we're going to become. And even in a family of four, each of us plucked something different. And for whatever reason, my sister and I seem to pluck pluck similar things. And one of the things that we took away from what our parents had shared with us was the ability to see that our thoughts had power and that we had a personal power. And if we were learning how to tap into it, that we would be better. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also looked at what my father's shortcomings were as far as business And that brought us into a place of, well, we know what not to do. (laughs) And that was a huge learning experience for us. So we at a very young age, for whatever reason, knew that if we thought positively, if we, if we, we didn't focus on the negative things in our lives, that that would create something better for us. And that's exactly what it did. Mm -hmm. Um, We were mindfulness thinkers before it was cool. (laughs) So you were very fortunate enough to not have to struggle with, you know, addictions or other things that would normally knock people out of the game. Absolutely. We, uh, so, we were very lucky. Uh, I don't even know why we were very lucky, but we surely were. Yeah. Cause you could have a family of four and, and, you know, two have the alcohol genes or the drug addict genes and the other two don't. And mm-hmm. you know, it's a strange, strange thing. It is. Um, but uh, mindfulness, uh, talk a little about mindfulness and how that has helped you. Well, you know, mindfulness in its simplest form is the ability to be in the moment and uh, connected to everything that's around you and be able to process the information in a way that allows you to make better choices in your life. And just being in that moment is where it all starts. And again, we were doing it before we knew what we were doing, uh, we started this journey, you know, 30 plus years ago on just clinging together and making each other, lifting each other up. And when we realized that it was mindfulness te- techniques, we started recognizing there was a thing out there. 
we started seeking, how do we get um, education in this? How do we learn how to share our life experience and have the credentials to do so with other people? And that's uh, when we found the educational piece. And, um, and shortly after that, we started writing books and helping others discover how to just be yeah. in the moment. So um, I'm sure you had really bad days and bad weeks, et cetera, where you just, uh, you says uh, you never gave up, but I'm sure there were times where you wanted to give up or you're very close to giving up. Um, talk about some of those dark moments. Well, I'll tell you, I still have those days, <laughs> you know, being a mindfulness teacher and having this lifelong journey does not make us perfect. And our journey never ends. We have good days and we have bad days. And, and I've had many clients come to me and say, you know, I want to be like you, Michelle. I want to have every day non-affected by the negative things. And I'm like, oh, whoa, 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 no, no. Life still happens around us. And, and the difference between someone who studies mindfulness and someone who doesn't is just the ability to process it differently. But those bad days happen. You know, just recently we've, um, we've had a family member um, get diagnosed with a serious health issue and, and it has really, you know, made us all stop and think we have to now readjust everything that we're doing because we have to provide care, not have to, we want to provide care and support to this, uh, this family member and the business stopped and we had to change meetings around and our schedule is now changing. Those things happen on a regular basis and you have to allow those feelings of fear to come in, process them and, and allow yourself the flexibility to work within that. As long as we don't let it consume us, we're on the right path. Mm. Well, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. Don't go away. Anytime we suffer loss, we grieve. And a lot of people don't realize what even the grief process is. But it could be five to seven steps ranging from denial, I don't believe this is happening, anger, oh my gosh, I'm so upset this is happening, to a form of bargaining, how can I get out of this, to depression, which is a very serious thing because that often leads to suicide. And then finally, finally, after you realize you have no more control over your situation and you're totally okay with the new normal that it brings, that wonderful, wonderful place called acceptance. And we're back on the Caregiver Dave show with my guest, Michelle Willett. And we're talking about mindfulness and her book and caring for a father who did not care very much for her as a child. And um, that is such a difficult thing to be able to, you know, as kids, uh, it's like, you know, you, you got to be careful with your kids because if you give one something, that, well, why did he get that? And, you know, they're always measuring and making sure everyone is equal. Yes. And so, you know, there's a, a small child in all of us, even adults, obviously. And so uh, we're still doing that math thing. It says, well, I'm, I'm sacrificing for my dad, you know, taking care of him in his dementia and he wouldn't do this for me. And I mean, I'm sure those thoughts kept coming into your head. 
How did you deal with the math, the, the deficit of that uh, in, a, in a happy and an equitable way? I had to change the way that I was thinking about the math. I had to look at it from a perspective of if I were in that situation, I would hope that people would step up and care for me. Whether you I, deserved it or not. Whether I deserved it or not. I chose early on to not take anything that came out of his mouth personally, because it wasn't about me. It was about him. And it was about the process that he was going through and what he was feeling and what he was dealing with. So I turned off the personal piece and I just let every word and thought and action towards dad come from a place of love and kindness. And I didn't let allow his energy to bring me into the place that he was at, which was not great most days. And did you have a fan club cheerleaders cheering you on? Or did you have other people telling you you were crazy? <laughs> I would never do this. I mean, or did you have both of them? <laughs> I had both. I had plenty of both, but uh, probably more uh, of the latter. Uh, cheerleaders. There was so much time spent taking care of dad and it was very stressful. And I handled all of his finances and I handled all of his health care and I handled all of him. And, and it got to a point where it was too much. And of course, people were letting me know less cheerleading and like, what are you doing? A kid's mom, what are you, you're taking what are you doing for yourself? And uh, so we decided to have a family meeting, me, me and the other cheerleaders, and decided that we had to share some responsibilities and swap off a little bit so that we could get that personal care in. And so we made that a priority so that we could all be cheerleaders for each other and, and just get through it and keep dad in the happiest place we could keep dad. Wow. Um, was he always at home or did he go into a facility and was that a difficult decision if he did? He was always at home. Uh, and mm. we were fortunate that when dad passed away, he passed quickly. It wasn't a matter of suffering and he right. hadn't been in and out of the hospital. We knew what was going on with him and the four of us, two and a half of us, uh, took really good care of him. And so he didn't have to go into a facility. Um, and so we got to spend all of our moments with him, which was great. Yeah. So dementia is probably one of the most difficult things because a lot of siblings, I mean, both my mother and my mother-in-law had dementia. And sometimes my sister would say, you know, I don't even know why I drive the 30 miles. Actually, she was driving 60 miles to see her. She, she doesn't even remember that I was there, you know, like three times that week. And it's like, it's not worth it. I says, and I had to remind her, I says, you know, you're doing it for her because they have, they have moments mm -hmm. and uh, they may not know why they're feeling really nice after a visit from you, but it doesn't matter. They're, they're feeling really nice. And, mm -hmm. and if you gave them just a few moments of peace, that's invaluable. Right. You know? And besides you should be doing it for yourself too, you know, not, not for them. And so she saw the wisdom in that. But um, obviously not all of your siblings uh, shared in your compassion and to, to share and take care of them, right? And did that make you guys a little bitter or how did you deal with the emotions of that? I think that the, they wanted to be involved. Well, I don't good. think that they were physically capable. Okay. Their lives were just not in a place where they could be uh, involved right. maybe as much as they'd want to. Sure, there was conflict. Um, there was, you know, conversations that came up around that, but 
again, if we just remain focused on, on what was the goal is making as many happy moments for dad and taking away that peace and that happiness for ourselves by doing it. Right. And so it was easy to get through those when they came up and tell me about your grief process, because everybody goes through grief when, when there's a loss, but yet it's difficult to find the loss here because it seemed like you were pretty happy being away from your parents uh, or at least your father. And um, so was there a grief process? There was, you know, after my father had passed, uh, it didn't take me long to realize that I may have been looking at him from the wrong perspective and that maybe he was more Superman than I thought he was. And I started really searching for the things that I learned from him and what he taught me and what part of him I was taking forward. And I started to really appreciate those things and really have gratitude for the things that I took away from him. And it made me very sad that I, he was now gone where I couldn't share that with him and say, you know what, dad, I was wrong. Um, you did some really great things for me. And I wish there was a, an opportunity for more of those conversations, but I found that that, quickly that that sadness that he was gone took over from the kind of the relief that he was gone. Okay. We all get to breathe in and out. We don't have to care for dad at the level that we have been. There was that level of relief right after he passed. Um, And then, but then I found that there was things that I would miss and that I wanted to thank him for. And so I did a lot of meditating and a lot of just sharing that up to him wherever he was. And so that I could feel that, that joy in my heart and live for going forward with that. So can you share with us some of those things that you took away from him and are grateful for? I'll tell you one of the biggest ones is that my father, um, unbeknownst to me was setting me up to be a very, very strong female in the world in which we live. He made sure that I was not going to be taken advantage of by mechanics and carpenters and plumbers and, Because whenever there was anything going on, he was the first one to grab me and say, come on, Michelle, we're going to, we're going to go in and we're going to put a new toilet in the bathroom and I'm going to stand behind you and I'm going to walk you through it. And then we're going to walk you through putting brakes on your car and I'm going to show you how to build a kitchen table. And so I I came out with this skill set that allowed me to know how to function all on my own and be powerful in doing so. And what a great gift. What a great gift. Are you the only sibling that got blessed like that? No, he, he gave that information to all of us. I think my mm-hmm. sister Vicky and I are the only ones that really see it for what it is and have taken it forward and really used it. Sure. Well, he's a wise man and you're uh, wise for listening and then appreciating it. Did you ever find a support system, you know, a support group? Because uh, some people say that, it's much easier when you can find people going through similar things and you can vent. You don't want to vent to your best friends or they'll stop coming around. Now you're isolated. You want to vent to people who are supposed to be vented to, and then they can in turn vent to you. So did you find a support group? And if so, how'd you find it? Um, I didn't with dad, but I had with mom. So when I lost mom and I was relatively young, I was 26 when she died. And so, um, and that one hit me pretty, pretty hard. So I went searching and I was in California at the time and I went searching and it was 
luckily I found um, a group in my local area that dealt with um, loss of a primary parent uh, or a single parent is really how the, the course was or the, the, the support group was kind of setting up when you lose your only parent, right. Or your final parent. And what I found going into that one was uh, a group of people that really could understand uh, what I was feeling in that, you know, the, the safety from life had, had, had left me the thing that made me feel the safest and, and dealing with other folks that were, were struggling with that same thing was, um, was huge in my recovery. It was huge for me to be able to deal with that and let it go. Um, I think with dad, we all had grown up and around it and, and, and we were all so much older and wiser that we, uh, we just really shared it with each other and just, we knew what to expect maybe a little bit more than, um, than those just losing parents late in life because we'd kind of gone through the mom thing. So we didn't go through, I didn't go looking for a support group on that one. I had one at home. Mm. And you tell me you wrote some books. Let's talk about your books. I have, I've written five books. The wow. primary book is called the five steps to wellness. And it is about building the foundation of well-being, which is our natural state of being. We were born into it and somewhere along the line, we've all lost it. And we need to regain it in order to have the lives that we most desire. And so uh, it's starting at the very groundwork. It's building the foundations of, um, of setting up anything good in your life. And um, that's paired with a 365-day wellness journal challenge book that allows folks to take what they've learned and implement it on a daily basis over the course of the year and really make it habit and make it substantial in their healing. And, uh, and then a couple of little books that go along with it. It's all kind of a series that really just focused on some of the highest topics, like um, understanding your feelings and emotions and, um, you know, understanding your personal power and how to tap into it and things like that. So uh, it's a series that's all around the five steps to wellness. Wow. You are an amazing person and you have come through an amazing situation that not many people would make it through. Um, talking to our caregivers, which are mostly burned out, you know, the, the 90 percenters, I call them because, or no, I'm, yeah, the 90 percenters, because 30% of them actually die before their loved ones do, and 50 to 60% actually become sicker than the ones they care for, eventually needing a caregiver of their own. And so only about 10% of caregivers are healthy and, and have a healthy perspective on um, burnout and on self-care, et cetera. What advice would you give to the 90% who are struggling to care for themselves? They need to, I I would highly, highly um, encourage them to find a way to rid themselves of the pre-programmed thought processes. We all have them. We have anywhere between 12,000 and 60,000 thoughts a day, and 95% of them are pre-programmed and 80% of those are negative. And they drive us to make decisions without thinking that guide us down um, very bad paths. And when we are in a caregiver position, we are so hyper-focused on someone else's care that we allow that auto response to just drive us. And as soon as we can stop that pattern and get rid of those and start thinking from a more mindful place, we can shift our focus to, to care for everyone involved, including ourselves. And that is so, so vitally important um, in these types of situations. 
And do you think any of them were dealing with guilt? And were you dealing with guilt? And if so, what was the guilt about? And how did you get rid of it? Yeah, absolutely. Guilt on everything, right? You feel <laughs> guilty about not spending enough time and uh, not being uh, the best kid, not appreciating things, um, guilty for all the bad doings that you've done, even the ones you weren't caught for. There's a million things we feel guilty for. How do you get rid of it? Um, you don't ever get rid of it. You process it correctly. You allow that feelings are there for a reason. There are guidance, guidance systems. So we're feeling guilty for a reason. We feel guilt for some reason. Find out what that root cause is. Deal with the root cause. Let the guilt be what it is but let it go. Do not let it sit on your shoulders. You don't have to live with it. It's not something you can control. So you have to learn how to let it go. Yeah. I call it our conscience, our traffic cop, you mm-hmm. know, uh, stop and think. And, you know, am I doing something that deserves to be feeling guilty? Uh, yes or no, you know, right. and if it's yes. then then take care of it, you know, <laughs> turn yourself into the police, apologize, make restitution, whatever it takes. Exactly. If not just ignore it and say, you know, and if you, you want to be doubly sure, ask a trusted friend, should I feel guilty about this? No, absolutely. They, you, they did not, you know, and all that stuff and let, let you get that affirmation. And then mm-hmm. like a diaper, toss it away. Otherwise, you're going to keep a dirty diaper on. Right. And some people have dirty diapers on for life and it, it's it true. just cooks, cooks their little bottom, to use yes. a disgusting analogy. <laughs> well, I can't believe how fast our time has gone. Thank you so much for coming on our show. Michelle, how can listeners reach you or find any of your books? Well, uh, they can find me at balanceyourpath.com. That is my website. Um, All the links to the books are there. Links to me on social. Um, Interviews such as this are listed there. Lots of free trainings, uh, ways to contact me specifically. Uh, But David, I would like to offer a free copy of the five steps to wellness to any one of your listeners who are interested. Thank you. And if they want to email me at contact at balanceyourpath.com and just put the name of the podcast in the subject line, I will shoot them off a PDF and answer any questions they have and help them deal with whatever it is that they're struggling the most with. Awesome. Thank you so much. And again, a reminder, all our shows become recorded podcasts and video casts on our platforms that I mentioned earlier, like YouTube and blog talk radio, et cetera. And don't forget to check out my membership website, caregiverdave.com. It's a free membership support community, lots of tools, resources, free gifts, as well as my Facebook page with the same name, caregiverdave.com caregiver dave rather leave out to dot com oh and please check the like button below on whatever platform you're watching or listening this interview on it helps us reach even more caregivers by improving google's search engine search search engine algorithms i don't know why i can't say those three words fast search engine algorithms so again to all my listeners out there thanks so much for tuning in and making us the number one caregiver podcast on the internet. Look for our podcast on your favorite platform or on caregiverdave.com. I have a book coming out soon. It's called Secrets from the Hammock, Uncommon Wisdom for Uncommon Times. It's in pre-sale. So the more people I can get to uh, reserve their copy, it'll all get dumped into the date, uh, May 5th, the launch date. You'd be doing me a personal favor by... Uh, helping me to get number one. Just go to amazon.com and look up Secrets from the Hammock. Thank you so much. And it's a great book too. You really enjoy it. And I'm planning on making an audio version uh, with my own voice. So until next week, same time, same channel. May God richly bless you guys. Thank you. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing. Uh. 